At about the age of 16, I had a dream. In my dream, I saw what appeared to be men dressed in white, tediously working on something. I couldn't tell what it was, but I recall standing there looking, admiring what they were doing. To my left appeared a person I could not see. That person leaned over in their right hand, held, holding something. They put something in my left hand. I took that object, I opened my hand, and it was a small white stone. And I woke up. Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Today's story is told by Jacob Bridger, who is currently serving among the unreached people groups of Turkey, along with his wife Skye and four sons. Today we have two stories for you. First, Jacob will talk about a dream God gave him when he was 16 that later saved him from taking his own life. And second, a story that shows God's genius working when we can't see the full picture yet. So without further ado, here is Jacob Bridger with his first story titled, The White Stone. My name is Jacob Bridger. My wife and I and four boys live in Turkey. We have joined AFM, Adventist Frontier Missions, and uh, have been in Turkey for the last four years. The title of this story is called White Stone. Over the years, I, I joined the military. My life had changed dramatically. In that time, my mother died. At one point, I just decided I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I found myself uh, drinking heavily and getting involved in things that would bring shame to my, my mom and disappointment. But over time, I found myself needing something more than what I had. After I got out of the military, and I decided that um, life just wasn't worth uh, living. And, and if there was a God, then I needed, I needed God to reveal himself to me. One afternoon there, I remember, I recall looking around my room and the owners of the house had a Bible in that room. And I decided to, to ask God, look, if you exist and I have purpose and there's uh, a place for me and to live, a reason for me to live, then show me, show me something, give me direction. And so I reached out for this Bible. I opened it up and immediately I opened up to Revelation chapter 2 verse 17. My eyes just were drawn to this part of the Bible and it said, To him who overcomes will I give him the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, which no one knows except he that receives it. Now my mind immediately began to race and I saw that dream I had many years before. I could not shake it. It disturbed me. I had no idea what it meant. I was not reading my Bible. I had no friends who could direct me to whatever I needed to do to understand this, but it disturbed me enough to go to the library. So 
going to the library, the librarian directed me, asked, what can I, what can I use to, is there a Bible dictionary? Is there something that I can use to understand the Bible better? And she, she directed me to the aisle where there were commentaries and dictionaries and Bibles and things. And so I picked up a Bible dictionary. And what I found uh, really, really began to stir my heart and speak to me. The definitions for the white stone I discovered were, one, in the days of John, if you were dragged to the courts and you were accused of a crime, the judge would cast a stone, a black stone if you were guilty, a white stone if you were innocent. And I thought to myself, well, I was given a white stone, and, I, and what does this mean? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not innocent at all. The other definition was if you were entered someone's home, if you were invited to the home of a very prominent person, when the prominent person, the host, met you at the door, they would give you a small gift, a token of their kindness, of their acceptance to you. And in that stone was written a name only you and that host would know. So with that in mind, the, the direction my thoughts about suicide, the direction my thoughts about my purpose and worth began to just flutter, f were flooded with ideas that maybe God had something for me. Maybe God did care. But the most beautiful thing is that he gave me this dream before I did commit these crimes and, and before I did feel guilty and before all these other things, as if to say, I know what you were going to do. I know what your life is all about. And I know that your life is messy. And so before all that happens, I want you to know that I care. And that was a thing that stuck in my mind and I praise God for. Another thing that, was, that drew my attention was that after many years of reading this text over and over again, I discovered that the word stone in the book of Revelation is only used uh, three times in the whole Bible twice within the same verse in verse 17 and once in Acts 2.26 I believe where Paul is standing holding the coats of those who are persecuting stoning Stephen and so that stone is uh, meant or that that act of holding the coats is the same word and is meant to say I'm casting my vote and to cast the vote of that stone means that God is voting for you, is God is voting for me to have this stone. It means that you and I have a purpose, you and I have a place, and no matter how far we've gone, no matter how deep we've gone in the depths of sin, God is ready to restore us and give us a new name. I pray that this story is an encouragement for you as much as it has been for me. We hope that you were inspired by that story, friends. It is God's greatest desire to have you know him and for you to know the purpose of your life. He can read the prayer of your heart. We at Adventist Frontier Missions help ordinary people fulfill God's call in bringing his message to unreached people. For Jacob, the first step once he arrived in Turkey was to build his identity in this foreign land. Here is Jacob again in his second story titled, Identity. One of the most difficult things for any 
AFM missionary living in a uh, closed access area is identity. You can be guaranteed that many of the people where you live, your neighbors, are going to ask you, what do you do? Why are you here? And so for me, I'll tell you, that was the most challenging thing. I was prepared before I went into our country, our host country, to take some English classes, English teaching classes. And so I was prepared. I had got a certificate with a organization that would fit me out to be able to teach. And so I could, prepare, I could show this certificate to those if I was to work in a school or if somebody wanted to see some form of credentials, I can say, look, I teach English. During our time there, however, things didn't go quite as, as we planned. And so I found myself struggling with figuring out how to stay, how to get a vehicle, all these things. And in this particular time, I, I was just dry with work. I didn't know where to find work. I was telling my neighbors and friends that I was a teacher, and yet I couldn't show proof of it. So immediately I started working. I found a job working at a, a language school, and they immediately snatched me up because I was a, lo a native English speaker. During that time, I was introduced to a young, uh, a young family who came in who wanted me to, to coach, tutor uh, their daughter. She was about seven years old. She had a remarkable gift. She could speak English. When I introduced myself and she spoke, her English was phenomenal. And I learned from her parents that they had sat her in front of the computer at a younger age and she just watched YouTube. She was an only child and so they occupied her with media and she picked up the English language incredibly. I taught her for about uh, three or four months and then we moved from the location we were. I quit teaching at this school and we parted ways with this young family. Interestingly enough, I was in a dry spell again. I was trying to look for work. I couldn't find work. And we lived in a, we had moved into a village. And in the village, people want to know everything about you. Where do I work? What do I do? How much do I make? <laughs> and I couldn't answer. And so I began to feel shy going out and answering these questions. And, and uh, my wife would nudge me, go into the go into the village center and just sit down with these guys and improve your, your, your Turkish language skills. And, and I began to do that. And, and the more I did that, the more I was asked, what do I do? Who do I teach? Where do I teach? I couldn't answer these questions. And so I prayed and I asked God, I just, I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel so, I feel so helpless. I've tried a few other schools and they, they work you to death and they don't pay you anything or they don't pay you at all. One day, public school started, and we took, I took my two boys on the first day to their school. As I was dropping them off at the front gate, there was a police officer standing there. I looked at him, he looked at me, he took off his hat, and he smiled, and he started talking to me very quickly in Turkish, and my brain was trying to catch up. And uh, I told my boys to go into class. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And the next thing he said was the name of his daughter. And I thought, ah, this is the girl. This is the young family I was teaching. And I didn't realize he was a police officer. I thought I was in deep trouble, and yet I was not. And so 
He brought up the girl's name. I was struggling with my Turkish. The excitement had my brain just reeling with trying to, trying to recover words in Turkish. And uh, he said, let's go. Let's go to the village uh, uh, center and have tea together. And I did understand that. We walked to the village center. We sat down there. All the men, then if you know anything about Turkey, men congregate to these little village centers and they drink tea all day and play chess and backgammon and things like that. So we sat there in the middle of all this and had several glasses of tea. So my friend there, the police officer, was telling all these people that I had taught his daughter and I was a great English teacher. <laughs> and now you're putting the story together and you see how God works. And I was so excited and I was so thankful that God was simply just trying to buoy up my spirits, simply trying to give me encouragement to keep moving forward. And, uh, and of all people, police officer with authority was telling my neighbors that I was an English teacher and so this solved my problems and since then since then everybody knows me as the hoja the English teacher and they give me respect and give me way and praise the Lord since then I've had uh, of course with the, the COVID the pandemic I've been teaching online and have, have maintained uh, several students and have, am able to freely say that I teach English. And so, praise the Lord for God working through our circumstances and helping us out when we need it. And He can do that for you. We at Adventist Frontier Missions help ordinary people fulfill God's call in bringing His message to unreached people in extraordinary ways. Frontier Missions Journal is a collection of stories told by our missionaries themselves aim to inspire you to trust God and to follow his calling for your life. If you have a desire to bring the gospel to unreached people around the world, please contact us or learn more at afmonline.org. That's afmonline.org. Until our next story from the field, be God's missionary wherever you are.